So I love the, the title of your series, Learning to Smile in the Storm. I think that's just perfect. And so my message today is not anxiety, but peace. And it, I'll be honest, it came out of a series that we're running at home, and it fits this so perfectly. And our series at home is called Big Butts of the Bible. Now, I want to stress it's B-U-T-S, not B-U-T-T-S, okay? You know, there might be a few in there. But, but the reality is there are some big butts in the Bible, some places where God says it's not this, but it's this, right? And so I want to look at a passage this morning that really highlights that. And if you can grab a hold of it and I can grab a hold of it, then we will be able to smile in the storm. It, it, it'll be a key. It'll be a mind-changing key for you and I. But I want to start with a story because often the reality in life, do you ever find this? It's not what's happening. It's what I think about what's happening. You ever see that? Like my reality really isn't just circumstance. It's how I view it. It's the thoughts I have. It's the beliefs I have, right? So let me give you an example of of how something can be a blessing and a curse depending on how I view it. Do you have snow over here? Do you have snow? How much snow do you get a year? Be honest with me. A centimeter? Two centimeters? I don't know. Like, you get a little bit. Let me ask you a question. When you get snow, does it shut the the city down? Like, is it like a snow day at school? We just had two inches? Is it? Okay. All right. I envy that. Can I be honest? Because that's not the case for us. We're built for snow. We have plows. We have snow tires. You know, there's six inches. Oh, well, get to work. You know, like, no snow day. Because we expect it. We live by the mountains. So, when I was a kid... We have lots of snow. When I was a kid, I loved snow. I really did. I mean, I, I, I would do snow angels. I, I would ski. My mom, I was, my dad died when I was 12, so my mom would take me out skiing. And she was a pastor, so she would sit in this little lodge typing, you know, her messages while I was up skiing. What a good mom, right? But I love snow. I get to ski, race with my friend. It was wonderful. Um, and, and then I remember even far back when I was five, and we didn't have a lot of money, so we lived in a flat. That's what you call, we call it an apartment, you call it a flat. We, we had this basement flat, and I was like five. And all my friends, there was a little hill in front of the building. And so all the guys, people were out there my age, and they had like fancy like sleds, okay, that they bought at the store. They had like handles on the side, they're plastic, like they're wonderful. And I remember looking at them thinking, we can't afford a sled. I knew that. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had a sled. And so I went in, I went and talked to my mom. I said, Mom, Mom, like, uh, can, can we get a sled? Is there a way we can get a sled? She goes, well, we can't get a sled, but I have something better. She had a metal tray, okay? Now, now I was five, so it was really small. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work much older than that, but I was five. And so she had this metal tray and, and you know, handles, and so she attached a string on it, okay? Think about this. And so then like, I'm pulling a metal tray. Like, think of five years old. But I went up the top of the hill. Like, think of a metal tray. You got plastic, you know, metal. Anyway, I get on the metal tray. Whew, like, I'm cooking, right? I'm like, I fly farther than everyone else. Well, here's what happened. Everybody else had tray envy. Like, they're, they're watching me, you know, do this thing. And so they're like, can I? Hey, look, you can, you can use my sled, you know, that very expensive from the store, and, and can I use your tray? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I had kind of a humble arrogance at that point, right, for my metal tray. But I remember that. I love snow. Fast forward, I'm now in my 50s. I don't like snow. 
So, so, so last year was a really bad winter where we were. It lasted a long time. Like it went into April and, and there was a lot of snow left and it was really cold. And, and I found myself not having a godly attitude. So I remember one day when I hoped it was all done and I'd look out and there's snow on my windshield, you know. If you, if, again, hear, hear, hear how it goes. So you go out, you got to you know, sweep it all off and fire the car up. And so I went out. And I did not have a godly attitude. I'm like, ricker, frucker, frucker, frucker. Now, I'm not swearing. Not swearing. Uh, if I could have, maybe I would have. But I'm not swearing. I'm trying to keep a godly, not really a godly attitude, but I'm grumbling. And I get to the car, and the Holy Spirit says to me, who makes the snow and causes it to fall? You do. <laughs> who are you grumbling against? Uh, you. So he was challenging me, deal with your heart. Now, let me just say something here. What was the difference? Snow is the same as it was back when I was five. It's the same. It's still cold. It's white. But why did I look at it differently? Because now my view of it was, this is a nuisance. This is a pain. I have to shovel it. I don't get to ride on trays. I'm too big now. You know, that kind of thing. So that's what it is like in our life. We have circumstances that at one point might be fine if we could see them for the opportunity they are, if we could see how God was moving in them. But, but instead, we look at them a negative way, and we look at our life through certain beliefs we have, and we grumble and complain, and we're not happy. So God wants to change the story that we tell ourselves. He wants to change the narr narration in our mind. You know, studies show that you have self-talk about 1,300 words a minute. Can you imagine 1,300 words going through your head telling you about yourself, your circumstance, who you are, who others are, how you relate to others? Can you imagine? Now think about that. You are constantly processing your own self-talk. So that self-talk can either be guiding you forward towards God or it can actually be pushing you the other way. Would you agree with me on that? And, and so it's something pretty constant for all of us. So getting a hold of this if we're going to smile in the storm, then we're going to have to see the storm through God's eyes. Do you hear what I'm saying? We're going to have to believe what God says about our situation rather than believing something different that will cause us to grumble and be complaining. You know, there's three places our thoughts can come from. We know this. God, the devil, and sometimes just ourselves, the way we think. And so we have to determine. Uh, I've been in places in my life where I just, it's almost like if I think something, I believe it's true. Have you ever met someone like that? You know, if they think it, it must be true. And I've been there sometimes. But it isn't necessarily true. That's why we have the Word of God. That's why we have truth in our lives. So I want to look at this passage in Philippians. Because this one is linked to having peace. So look at this with me. And it's from the NIV. It says this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, we just sang about that this morning. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, the peace of God that goes beyond your storm. It goes beyond your understanding of your circumstance. You ever had that before where you thought, I should be really stressed right now. I should be really concerned by what's going on. But I have this strange peace. It goes beyond my, I just know God's in control. I know he's going to come through. You ever had that? That's what this is talking about. It, it will guard your heart and your mind. The peace of God will guard your heart and will guard your mind. So what you think and how you feel, there's this supernatural peace that's guarding you. And it said, but here's the key. Sometimes 
I, I don't know about you, but I've quoted those two verses, but I forget verse 8. Because verse 8 is actually the key to those two verses. Here's what verse 8 says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So let me just say this. The peace, the guarding peace, is linked to the thinking in verse 8. How you think, what you focus on, will determine whether you walk in that peace. We need to understand that. There is a cause and effect in how we think, in what our self-talk is, and the way we feel. And that's what the scripture is telling us. It's encouraging us that God has a way for, forward for us. And so here, I want to give you a quote here by a man named Jason Clausen. Uh, the network that, that I'm part of is called LifeLinks International. Jason is a, uh, he's in a place, he wouldn't know where this is, Morris, Manitoba, Canada. Don't worry about it. But it's, it's, it's there. Morris, Manitoba, Canada. It's Open Door Fellowship. And he preached a brilliant message that I used as some of the basis for this. And here's a, here's a quote that I think is just amazing. Look at this. It's on the screen. We are defined by the stories we tell ourselves. And if we don't actively engage in telling ourselves good stories, we will be defined by either the loudest voice around us or the biggest obstacle in front of us instead of the bigger God above us. Isn't that amazing? Read it one more time. We are defined by the stories we tell ourselves. The stories, the narration about our life, what our life's about. In other words, if my story is, I will never prosper because I never have. And when good things happen, they will happen to other people and never to me. Sometimes we believe these things. The story we tell ourselves is, this is just my lot in life. And no matter how hard I try, I will never break free. If we... If we don't actively engage in telling ourselves good stories, God is for me. God has a plan for my life. This may seem impossible right now, but God is able to do above and beyond all I can ask or imagine. I'm choosing to believe that story. We will be defined by either the loudest voice around us, our mother, our father maybe, who told us we were a failure would never amount to anything. Or maybe that teacher that said, you know, when brains were handed out, you were behind the door. Or, <laughs> or it could be anyone, that co-worker, that, that calls us down and says, you're useless. Whatever it is, we will be defined by that voice around us or the biggest obstacle in front of us. I just don't have money. I lack. I always lack. Therefore, I think my whole destiny is to always lack and never have enough money. It's been a generations in my family. No one's ever prospered. No one's ever even graduated from university. That's probably me. I'll never break out. Or, the last thing is, instead of the bigger God above me. You know, I know that I'm weak. I know that I'm unable. I know I'm flawed, but I have a God who loves me and has a plan for me. And so he's going to guide me forward. I'm choosing to look to him and trust in his ability. Do you get what I'm saying? This is really, really important for us. Because if, I think the issue, God speaks to me often. He says, Ian, the issue is never with me. Because I said, well, God, can you do this in my life? Can you use me this way? He says, Ian, the issue is never whether I can. The issue is whether you'll align yourself with what I say about you. The issue is whether you'll agree with me and say, yes, God, use me in that way. Yes, God, I'm willing. That's the issue, God tells me. The issue is not whether he's able. And so this, what we believe is so important. Now, you could say, well, you know, Ian, that's easy. You know, just kind of, you know, fire myself up. 
prime myself up, ignore how I feel and pep rally myself. I'm not talking about that. I think sometimes the problem that we engage in as Christians is we, we believe that. We think that the only way, if, if I'm really going to walk in faith and honor God, then I have to ignore the bad things in my life. You know, somebody says to me as I come in the door here, hey, how's it going? You know, and I just had a fight with my wife and my kids are angry at me and the, the bank's going to foreclose. But as I come in the door, how's it going? Hey, brother, it's wonderful. Praise God. If I'd be any more happy and excited, I'd be two people. Wow. And God's looking down like, is this the same person, right? But sometimes we think that. We've got to put on the show. I've got to look like I'm successful. If I'm going to be a man of faith, then I never, ever admit I'm having difficulty. Well, that's just not true. That's not, even, that's not biblical. You know, back in, in uh, tells us in, in Romans that Abraham, the father of faith, and it took 25 years for him to get Isaac, his son. God promised him a son. Him and Sarah would have a son. Sarah got older and older and older, and he got older, past the age of having kids, and it looked impossible. But here's what it says about Abraham. It says, he faced the facts that his body was as good as dead, but he believed in the God who can make new things out of nothing, right? In essence, he believed in the God who was bigger than that problem. And so I'm not talking about ignoring reality. I'm saying face reality. Face the problem. Face the reality in your life. Face the issue. But then you face it looking and saying, okay, God, this is true. I have financial problems. This is true. There is a health issue in my life. Yes, I am sick. I am dealing with sickness. But I am going to choose to believe in a higher reality, which is that there is a God in heaven that will heal me. And I'm believing for that. And I'm believing for breakthrough in my finances. Not going to ignore it. Not going to, and even when it comes to God, you don't need to ignore it. Like, here's the thing. I don't know how you pray, but if you come to God and all you ever do is give him the highlight reel of your life, you know, like, I could never tell God that. Why not? He already sees it. Like, he sees you. I mean, you know, God knows my heart. So if I try to fake it with God and come to God and just tell him all good things, how are you doing? You know, I'm good, God. I'm good. He looks at my heart and goes, you're a liar, right? You're not good. Why don't you just be honest with me? Now, here's an example from Psalm 42 of David. I encourage you, read through the Psalms and consider David. Um, He was one of the most real. We look at him as a hero, which he was. But his relationship with God is on display. And I think God meant for that. He didn't mean for these glorious Psalms where everything was perfect. He meant to show that David was a man who had pain, difficulty. Yet he came out the other side. Look at this. Look at David says. He says, why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? God, I'm being real here. I have turmoil. I feel depressed. Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord, look what he says here. The Lord will send his faithful love day by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to be to the God of my life. What's he saying? He's saying, God, I'm admitting to you this is where I am. And I I remember some really tough times in my own life where um, 
I had some difficulties. I, I ran a couple businesses once. One was successful. The other one failed terribly. Lost a lot of money. Went through some really, really hard times. So much so that my heart was just distraught. And I was so discouraged. And I had it all bottled up inside. And I remember I went to a counselor because I was really struggling. And the counselor said, you know what, Ian? You need to go to the back 40. And you need to get this out with God. And I struggled with that. I thought, what, go yell and be angry and let God see that? You know, just vent myself. And he goes, yeah, you need to do it. God already sees it. He already knows it. But you're holding it all in here. And then it comes out with other people, right? Now you're taking it out on other people. To God, you're trying to hide away like, hey, I'm fine. And God's saying, you know, I'm big enough. Some of you here listen to me on this. God's big enough. God's big enough to hear your pain. He's big enough to hear your frustration. He's big enough for you to vent to him. Look at David. You read the Psalms. David did all the time. I mean, you, you're way better off than David. Some of the Psalms, he's calling for God to kill his enemies. God, kill him, right? I mean, it's in the Bible. It's like, wow, you're having a manic moment, David. Please kill my enemies. Okay. But, you know, the cool part is by the end of the Psalm, David is not in that mode anymore. He's like, okay, but you're God. You're going to work it out. Okay, maybe don't kill my enemies. You know, like he just, he's calming down a bit in the sense of this, his violent attitude. But that's what God says. Look, I want you to be real. And actually, this passage is putting into practice the Philippians passage I just gave you. Be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and petition and thanksgiving. Prayer and petition, what is that? That is pouring out your heart to God. Petition means asking God to meet your needs. So it's heartfelt. It's real. With thanksgiving. What is thanksgiving? That's where we eventually land. God, like David. God, these are all the issues. I'm pouring my heart out. But ultimately, I will trust you. I will be faithful to you because you're God. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a pattern here. So we need to walk through that. And, and so it starts with honesty. It starts with admitting, I'm in a tough spot right now. God, I'm even admitting it to you. I'm in a tough spot right now. And rather than turn away from you, here's what happens to some Christians. Can I just say this? And even people that maybe aren't, you might be here and you're not a believer yet. And you're assessing all this. What happens is these things come and they offend us. And we don't understand. Like Val's, you know, parents dying. You know, I was 20. She was 19. It changed our lives. And it offends them. And I've watched people in those kind of circumstances turn away from God. Because here's what they say. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand. How could a loving God? Right? You ever heard this? And so they're saying, in my natural thinking, I have to understand. And therefore, if I don't understand, then I'm just going to move away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. But like Val said, where else do you go? Yeah. And so the issue is, God, do, am I going to choose to trust you? Am I going to choose to say, Lord, there's an answer here uh, that you know, I don't know, and I'm gonna, but I'm going to be real about it, and then I'm going to move on in faith, believing you have something for my life. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and I'd highly recommend to you the materials from Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She's um, a cognitive neuroscientist with a PhD in communication pathology. I had to write that down because it's a lot. But she's really smart, okay? Really smart about this stuff is bottom line. And she actually takes neuroscience about the brain, about our thinking, you know, they actually have um, pictures of thoughts. Like they've actually taken pictures of what thoughts look like in your brain. They look like trees and they have buds on them. And when you change your thinking, little tidbit, 
the buds change. The, the consistency changes. Now, this is wild stuff. You should read this. This is science. But the Bible said all along that this was important. And so we know that we need to renew our thinking. So she says this. She calls this being real and being expressive freaking out in the love zone. Yeah. You know, like that? Freaking out. What are you doing right now? I'm freaking out in the love zone, right? What it means is in a place of safety, either with God, you're safe with God and you freak out. In the love zone, I, God loves me. I'm in my prayer closet. I'm freaking out right now because I'm feeling it. Or I'm freaking out with that close friend or my spouse who loves me. I'm in the love zone. They care about me. I'm safe. But then you leave that place and you move forward. Freaking out in the love zone. Dealing with your stuff. Can I just say this? If you're here and you're stuffing things, stop stuffing. Like seriously, if you, if you feel like... I'm a volcano, and if I ever really let this out, it would be awful. Please let it out. Find a safe place. Find the love zone. Find someone you can be with. Find someone. I, I have a good friend of mine. I won't say who it is, but um, a really good friend of Val and I, and he and his wife, they lost their son in a motorcycle crash about a year and a half ago. Really, really bad. Painful. I, I You know, I just, we've lost parents, but... You know, a, a, a child, right? Different. And just hurting people. So we, we have a mutual friend. And so this friend of mine was, was at a mutual friend's house. And the mutual friend said to him, you know what? And they, they went out for coffee. And then on the way back, he says, we're going to deal with this today. We're going to talk about this today. Uh, we're going to pray through it. And he said, no. No, 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 we're not. I, I'm afraid of what will come out. No, no, we're not going to deal with it. He says, no, you need to deal with this today. You need to face this. You need to let come out what needs to come out. And I'll be there for you. And so they did. And my friend, you know, I'm getting confused because I friend one, friend two. But friend, <laughs> friend one who is dealing with the loss, he poured his heart out in front of our other mutual friend. And after however long, tears, weeping, release, he felt something change, right? He came out of there and he told me, he phoned me after he got back and he said, that changed me. I was afraid to face it. I didn't want to face it. I wanted to ignore it. You know, don't face the facts. I don't want to face that pain. But once I did and the Holy Spirit came and God used somebody else and I freaked out in the love zone, God came and began to heal me. Some of you need to hear this. You stop stuffing. You need to go to God. You need to be real about your issues. Bring in other people that you love. Because God wants to get that out of your life. He doesn't want you limping with a splinter in your soul like you have right now. He doesn't want that. He wants more for you. And he, and he has a plan. So David started with the hard truth. But then he ended with the truth. Right? He started with reality. But he ended with the reality. Which was higher than what he was experiencing at that moment. That's what God wants us to do. Now it's okay to admit when we're anxious, stressed, depressed, or angry, but the Bible's telling us you admit that, but you don't stop there. You move towards the new story that God wants to give you. Look, look at another scripture here, Psalm 57. And then what I'm going to do, I'm going to read the scripture, then I'm going to shift to a very practical thing that you can do. Because here's what I found in my life I can sit in a meeting like this and I can hear some really good teaching about this. But if I don't go home and take some practical steps, it really doesn't happen. 
I just leave knowing it was something I should do. <laughs> but then I don't know what to do, so I don't do anything. So we don't want that today. We want some practical st- steps for you. But look at David. One more, one more example of self-talk in action. David controlling his thoughts. David shifting to the bigger picture. Psalm 57, 69. They prepared a net for my steps. I was despondent. They dug a pit ahead of me, but they fell into it. My heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. I will sing. I will sing praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, harp and lyre. I will wake up the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. You know, that scripture in Philippians 4 tells us, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Let me just say this. Learning to praise God in the midst of your storm, brings freedom. You know, there's a song now, I don't know, Bethel has a song called Praise is the Highway. Anybody heard that one? Praise is the highway to the throne of God. What's it saying? When I praise, when I worship, there's like a connection to God's throne room in my life. It becomes a place of transportation where the grace of God can flow into my situation. Now, you might say, yeah, but Ian, I don't feel like praising. I mean, who feels like praising in a storm, right? Only idiots, right? Like, oh, seriously, that's, that might be what you think, right? Only people who are a little off would want to praise in my circumstance. It's really bad. But listen, I get that. But it's a weapon. Don't, don't go just on how you feel. Otherwise, you'll never praise, right? I mean, even when we come to church, you know, sometimes I, say, I, don't, I don't feel like Pastor Paul must feel or like Paul Jukes feels. He feels pretty excited. I don't, well... He might not feel that exuberant all the time, but he, he, you know, he just gets involved and he lets God move through him. And I'm just saying, in our lives, we need to make decisions at times to praise. We need to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, and I, I do that. I'm, God's been reminding me of that. So in tough moments, he just says, I remember one time recently going through a hard time. I was in this prayer room, this other Church, we don't have a church during the week. We don't have a building. We meet in a cinema. So we have separate offices. But I went to this church. They let me use their prayer room. And, and so I was, I was facing some stuff. And so I, I was kind of like, almost like soaking. I was listening to this music. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, Ian, rise up. Ian, rise up. You rise up and fight. I could, I could sense him. I stood to my feet, literally. And he says, you need to war. You need to stand. You're, you're, you're being passive. You're letting the enemy push you. You need to rise up. And when we praise and when we begin to worship, we are rising up. We're not being passive. We're saying, I'm fighting back. And I'm fighting back by declaring how great God is and reminding myself and reminding the demons of hell that the God I serve is big enough. That's what we're doing. It's powerful. You know, use, we, we, I just had a, in our church, I, we just had a message where I talked about practical ways to praise. You know, in your shower. Who thought warfare could happen in your shower through praise? I like to worship in my shower. Worship in your shower. Worship in your car while you're driving. Even people think you're crazy. Who's that guy? You know, whatever. But worship. Use the time. I'm in a big city. So I'll use the time to worship in my car. Because God, God's coming, right? So use your time. Write out worship. Write out praise. But bring God in. Praise is the highway. That was free. That was extra. That was free. So, but, but it's important we do this. And that's what David did. He says, I will sing. Wake up, my soul. Come on. Don't get passive. Wake up. So stir up your heart. So let's give you the next steps. Okay? Here's some next steps. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. Say that with me. We take captive every thought. One more. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Here's the key. You can't let your thoughts run wild. You can't let your narrative run wild. You've got to take it captive. You've got to say, you're going to obey Christ. I'm going to believe the truth. So let me just give you a practical example of how this looks. My wife and I went through this in a big way probably 18 years ago. We went through a major prayer and freedom ministry time. And one of the things they did is they said, you need to assess your self-talk. You need to assess the lies you believe because they're behind your actions. They're behind your expectations. So they, one of the assi- assignments is we went away and we were to write down every lie God gave us, like reminded us that we had. Um, I had pages. Honestly, it was so toxic. It's like, I believe all this? No wonder I'm in a mess, right? I'm believing all these lies. But I had to, I had to grab a hold of them. So what I did is... I, first of all, captured what the lie is, right? So it could be a lie that, like I believe, that unless everything I do is perfect, it will never be accepted and I will never be a success. I believe that lie. I'm a perfectionist. So if it's not quite right, if it's never, if it's not perfect, it's not acceptable and I'm not accepted. I believe that. So I wrote that down. That was truth to me. And so I wrote that down. And then I wrote down the truth which is that God accepts me no matter what. He doesn't need perfection. He accepts me where I am and that he works with me and he builds me up. So that gives you an example. So let's, let's look at one here. Okay, here we go. And I, I understand you're not going to be able to read the next page very well, but um, we, do, we will have this available. We're going to have some hard copies available for those that maybe don't have email, but I think they're planning to send this out through email to the church list through your e letter or something, your newsletter. So, um, so countering negative thinking. First of all, behavior, thought, belief. It's just what I mentioned to you, right? What's the behavior? What's the thought that I have? Where did it come from? Where did that start? Did it start when that teacher said that to me? Did it start when my father said that? Did it start when I failed and I believed that? Where did it start? Because let me, let me tell you why it's important to know where it started. Because sometimes what has to happen before you can deal with that lie is you need, God needs to take you back to that wound and heal you, okay? So he needs to come to you and say, um, you know, when, when, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm picking on fathers. But when your father said that, um, here's what I was saying at that time. Here's what I say. And here's why your father was hurting, your father, you know, and, and he gives us understanding. God's done that in my life. So sometimes we need to actually look at the circumstance and then release forgiveness. Lord, I forgive. Like I had situations where some of my perfectionism came from my dad. Some things he said, some ways he acted. So when I dealt with this, I had to forgive my dad. Lord, I forgive my dad for saying that. He didn't mean to hurt me. He didn't understand. I forgive him. All right? That's healing that circumstance that created that lie. So where did it come from? What is God's truth? What is the truth? God, what's the truth? And then a scripture to back it up. Now, let's go to the next sheet. And only a few, yeah, you won't be able to read this. This is like an eye test. So if you can't read that, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> eye exam. 
Anyway, number six says, I should be terribly, there we go. I should be terribly worried about threatening situations. Okay? That's on that sheet. And when you get that sheet, here's what I encourage you to do. Look through it. Because sometimes when I talk about this, and I've talked about in my church before, I think people sometimes go, okay, I don't know how to frame that. Like, I get it. I want to find, but, but I, I almost feel stressed trying to figure out what that lie is. So if you look at that list, I, I did this in our church, and I had people saying, I read through the list, and I was I'm like, oh, my goodness, I believe these things. And then they realize, oh, I do have this self-talk. It's not just somebody else. It's me. And it helped them to start. So I should be terribly worried about threatening situations. Go to the next slide. So where did it come from? When I was a kid, I felt threatened and unprotected at times. I thought being anxious was the natural way to cope. Now, that was the, that was the issue for me. I thought unless, I don't know if you, anyone else believes this, I thought unless I'm anxious and thinking about it, no one else is. Okay? So i got to be God, right? So I'm going to be anxious. Hey, wait a minute. I'm not anxious right now about this. That means nothing's happening. I better get anxious. That's how I would think. Meanwhile, God's going, well, I'm God, and I'm dealing with it. Why are you anxious? No, i got to help you, God, by being anxious. Well, that's ridiculous. So, so that's where it came from, right? Okay, next, next slide. So what's God's truth? I don't need to be anxious because when I pray and ask God to help me, his peace will guard my heart and mind. He promises to protect, keep me safe, and work in my circumstances. That's the truth. Okay, so I write that down. And then the last one, of course, the scripture, I think, is the one we just used. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. So here's what I did. We wrote on all that, and then we prayed. And so when we first went through it, we said, God, I repent of believing the lie because I'm in agreement with it. I think it's true. So, I've, I've, so I repent of my agreement, and Lord, I now accept the truth, which is this, and I believe your word, which is this. And if I need to forgive somebody because where it happened, Lord, I forgive that person. I forgive that situation. Lord, even though you don't need it, I forgive you, right? Like, God doesn't need our forgiveness, but sometimes we need to release God. And say, I held that against you. And he says, you know, I'm not at fault, but, but you feel I am? Release that, right? Like, and we release God. We say, God, I release you uh, in, in that sense. And so then we can, and then do that for a number of days. They say it, if you read Dr. Carolyn Leaf's stuff, she has a 21-day detox for thinking. So she says, you know, do this at least 21 days. She says a new, based on neuroscience, a new thought, a new mindset needs 63 days to develop. In other words, you could go out here tomorrow, you know, and do this and do it once and go, well, there it is, it's all done. No, wouldn't be done, right? You need to remind yourself. You need to work on it. We did this for a long time. We would do this every day. I mean, I had so many. I was like, this is going to take forever. But it was really helpful. Does this make sense? Does this seem doable? This isn't rocket science. It's neuroscience. No, it's... No, this is doable, right? This is doable. It just You just got to do it a step at a time. Maybe start with one or two or, you know, just start where God leads you. But let me just say this. If you can make this a pattern, God can continually renew your thinking, continually change the way. I look at myself over the years and I have changed. The way I think has changed. The way I act has changed. Why? Because my thinking began to change. God wants to change your thinking So he can bring every blessing into your life. So he can release you and ultimately this church in a greater way. See, you're important. You're important to his ultimate plan. 
You're not left out. Some of you actually believe that. Some of you, the part of the lie is, yeah, other people are more gifted. Other people are more skilled. I'll, I'll give my tithe. I'll support them with prayer, but I'm not really very gifted. God says, yeah, no, 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 no. You are gifted. And you're called to step up in this area, or I want you to take a step. And let me just lastly say this. In the days ahead with what God's going to do here, you're all needed. All hands on deck. Because he wants to reach a lot of people. It's not just a few. He wants to use you as part of that glorious plan. Be part of the family. Enjoy being a conduit of his grace. So that's, that's what I had to say today. There's a couple of resources for you. That'll only take a few minutes. That is a great interview. And then switch on your brain, including the 21 day. I'd recommend that. It's a great book. Um, let's, let's stand. We stand. And I want to pray with you. I just want to pray with you this morning and kind of seal this up a little bit. Just close your eyes, would you? You know what I like to do at home is I always just like to say, we've just had, you know, all this. Let's just pause for a moment before we rush out. Let's think about what God's really saying today. What's the next step for me? What's he saying to me today? So if you could just close your eyes. And just ponder that. Lord, what's my next step? What are you saying to me today? How do I move forward from here? And let me just say this, just with our heads bowed, eyes closed. Just a moment of privacy for, for everyone. I want to ask this question. Is there anyone here? And when I said there are people here that are seeking and maybe don't yet know Jesus, but they're, they're investigating, maybe that's you. Maybe you're here today and uh, you're not yet a Christ follower. There's no shame in that, by the way. No shame in that. In fact, this church obviously wants you to come and have a safe place where you can investigate. But let me just say this. Maybe today as I talked about this, maybe God helped you with some of your questions. Maybe something just resonated and, and, and you feel the Holy Spirit. You might even, not even know who he is yet, but he's the one, if your heart's pounding or if you sense a tug where you feel like, I, I, should, I need to make a step in my life. I maybe I'm hesitant to do it, but I really feel I need to. And it's almost like something's pulling you. That's the Holy Spirit. He loves you. And he's called you here today. And he says, look, son, daughter, come back. Come into the family. You know, you're weary. You're heavy laden. The Bible would talk about you. You've got burdens. And you've, you've thought, I don't know if God cares. I don't know if, he, if he's really out there. But today something is stirring in you. And you're like, I know he's real. I sense it. And I know this is truth. It's touching my heart. I have hope that maybe I can change. Can I just say something? Just surrender right now to him. Just surrender right now. Just give your life to him today. So heads bowed, eyes closed, just for privacy. Not going to call you forward. Not going to embarrass you. I just want to know between you and me, because I, I am looking. I want to know, <laughs> is there anyone here that would say, I want to give my life to Christ? And just slip your hand up for me right now so I can see it. Anybody here just says, Ian, I see your hand. I see your hand. Anyone else just say, Ian, I, I see your hand. Yeah. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up. You can put it back down once I see it. I'll acknowledge you. A couple people. Anybody else over here? Well, let's pray. Can we pray with those two people? And I like to do it together because we're not singling them out. We're doing it all. And, and for us that are already Christ followers, we're just reiterating again our commitment. Can we do that? Just follow after me. Say, dear Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus 
to die on the cross for my sins. And then he was laid in a tomb. And after three days, he rose again from the dead. And he lives forever to be my Lord. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life. Breathe new life into me. I want to believe the truth. I want to know your plan for my life. Guide me forward by your Holy Spirit. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe as a recommitment, something's happened in your life right now. Holy Spirit calls it being born. The Bible calls it being born again. Something fresh. The old is gone. The new has come. You're a new creature in Christ. And, and there's some people here that can help you with that new commitment. And then secondly, finally, just again with our heads bowed, eyes closed, I want to just talk just for a moment. I want to pray for you specifically about some of these lives. Can we just take a moment and listen to the Holy Spirit? Because sometimes He'll highlight some things. You know, I just, the, the word comes to mind is that there's someone here and you have a real phobia of water. And, and it's really intense. I mean, it's, it's debilitating almost for you in certain circumstances. I'm not here to expose you, but I just really feel this is true. And there's something that happened when you're young. And there's a belief you have about it. You've never been able to enjoy going into the, to the water with your family. And there's just a, pho- there's a fear. It really grips you. And, and I, I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying today that this means a lot to him because it's robbing you. And this is a journey. He wants to help you, but he wants you to admit it right now because there's grace for you. He's going to show you how to be free. In fact, you've even said there's, there's no way that I'll ever be free of this. And you've just kind of given up on certain things. God says, no, no, I'm bigger than the fear of water. I'm bigger. Just with everyone's head bows, eyes closed. Anybody would say that's me? be shy. Just slip your hand up. Anyone here that would have that kind of phobia of water, swimming? Yeah, I see your hand. Okay, let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now for this person and I pray for a breakthrough. Lord, I thank you that you've highlighted this because it's important to you and you want this person free and I speak blessing. I speak freedom. I pray for wisdom to know how to move forward. I pray for wisdom to know uh, the next steps. I thank you for a safe place to walk through this. Whatever the root of that is, God, thank you that you're going to go to it. You're going to set this person free. Lord, bless them in Jesus' name. Thanks for putting your hand up. I bless you. Let's just, I don't, I don't want to delay this, but I just sense the Holy Spirit's moving. We just give a couple more minutes. I just sense that that whole issue of perfectionism probably applies to a number of people. But I feel like um, I feel like because in my life God broke perfectionism in many ways, still is. But I think there's a grace on me to pray for you. So I want to say this. If you're here and that perfectionism drives you um, in different parts of your life, and there might be different root causes, but you, you are perfectionist. And, it, and it's just, it's, you don't like it, actually. It makes you angry. Because, because you, you, but you don't know how to break out of it. You just, ah, you're stuck. Just with our heads bowed, eyes. Anybody say, that's me? I have a perfectionist issue. Yeah, I see hands. Yeah, I see hands. Yeah, yeah. 
put my hand up too, okay? <laughs> my hand's up as well because I still struggle. Let me pray for you. I want to pray because God has started something in me. I believe he'll start and continue something in you. Father, these hands that are up, Lord, I pray for breaking away from perfectionism. That, that ungodly mindset that says it has to be perfect. It has to be just right or else I'm not accepted and God doesn't approve. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, wherever the hands are, that you would break this. I pray for next steps. I pray for a revelation of your love and acceptance. Father, your Father heart that would come and break that completely. Lord, that where there's bondage, that it would be broken. I pray for a sense of affirmation from you. And I bless these people today. Father, thank you that you accept us where we are. <laughs> you do. You accept us. And you know we're flawed and you love us anyway. And, and you love us through. And I pray for a release in this house. So finally, God, I just bless this house. Thank you for it. Thank you for its leaders. Thank you for its core group. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for what you put into these people. The love for this community. The love for you. I bless this house with great days ahead. Best days coming. Best days coming. Above and beyond what you can ask or imagine. Just dig in, church. Just let him change your thinking. Let him heal your heart because he has more for you.